But Guys, so you need a beer since we're going to be yeah, cracking any seriously. Oh, yeah. I'm good right now. Good? Thank you. Good. All right, well, I got to crack one. Just you want one? But anyway, Riding Shotgun with Norman Jim, episode 133 of the podcast, and today we got a few special guests with us, so um, welcome to the show, Coach Rob Heiss from Perkoon Valley High School. Uh, it's an honor for us to have you on the show. We do a lot of we do a lot of local sports, and um, it's great to, to have you on this podcast, uh, and with uh, Coach Rob today is... On here a couple episodes again, Don Limberger. Welcome back, Don. And then Jack, who started us down this path of uh, getting some connections for us. So appreciate you, Jack, and a big part of the show. But we got to crack them. That's a tradition for this show. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, Rob, thank you again for joining us. I'm going to make this show a lot circled around you today because. Uh, it's an honor for us to have you on the show. I mean, you, what you've done for Perkiomo Valley and, um, you know, high school football is a big part of community, and what you've done for this community is just, it's second to none. I mean, we, it was a good program uh, all along, and, and what I want to talk to you to start off about is, um, I know you've, you've followed up Scott, uh, Reed. Scott Reed, yep. Scott Reed who went, is a PJP now, right? And, um, that program was starting to really come together. Were you on his staff? or? Yes. Um, Scott and I started coaching together in 2003. Uh, we were actually both eighth grade coaches. Uh, we coached the eighth grade team together. And then the next year in 2004, he got hired as the varsity head coach. And Scott Furman, my head coach, yeah. working in the Valley, retired. I moved up to coaching the freshman team for three years, and then I started as, as his quarterback coach in 2007 with the Hawks. 2007, okay. So, were you the quarterback coach with the lefty? I can't remember the kid. I talked yeah, to Steven Stern. Oh, my God. So, now he's probably graduated college now and going on to be – what was the college up there? In, so, he, he graduated from Bentley University. Bentley, that's it. Had a really nice yeah. career up there. He helped turn their program around. They were – they were not very good, and they actually wound up winning two playoff games this senior year. And which surprised that's Division Two. Division Two. Yeah. yeah, I thought that kid was destined for D one, you know, and uh, but good for him, right? He, it, it was more of Scholastic and where he wanted to be, and, and he shined. But watching him and that football team, when I would just go to all the games, I just love high school football. I've been around it my whole life, and um, that kid was something special. And you've had a lot of special players, which we'll talk about, but that kid was something special. Uh, we, we've been very fortunate at that position, in particular at the quarterback position, but Steven was, he was phenomenal. Just a great kid, easy to coach. Um, we had some special pieces around him. Uh, Justin Jaworski, who was yes. an All-State receiver, you know, which was... It was amazing. Was he amazing hurt his knee. Was that his junior or senior year? He was out a few games, uh, He hurt his knee against Haverford School. We played in Interact School that year. Right. Uh, Fourth game of the season, he hurt his meniscus. He, we thought he might be done for the year. He was actually only out for three games and made a surprise um, comeback to be ready for the Springfield game that year, which was a huge game for us. Yeah. And we, we won that game. That's a rival, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I heard that from uh, your boy up at Penn State. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where are you from, Rob? Did you grow up around here? I grew up in Trap. Okay. Uh, I actually went to Perkiomo Valley High School. Okay. Uh, my dad grew up in Collegeville. He was a Collegeville police officer. Graduated from the old high school, Collegeville Trap High School, in 1969 before 
Swanksville and College of Trap merged together. Is that by the farm over there, that high school? Uh, so um, they've now made it into a luxury yeah. condominium apartment. Yeah, right, I know right where that is. College of Trap High School. It was College wow. Trap Colonels. And the Schwanksville Bluebirds merged together in 1969 to make Perkin Valley High School. So I've been around this area my whole life. I went to Shippensburg University. Oh, the ship. Uh, we moved back here to start our family and I went to college. So never really made it far from home. That's good. That's fantastic. So, so you have a vested interest in PV and uh, coming back home and coaching the hometown team. Absolutely. I kind of bleed orange and brown. Yeah, that's great. That's good. My wife also, she grew up here right on Evansburg Road and um, went to PV when there was 90-some kids in the school when she graduated. So easy to finish in the top 100 that way. But, it's really come a long way, even yeah. since when I graduated. My class was 193. Was it really? In 19, uh, 1997. And now we graduated around 450 in class. Luke's class, my son, his class was pretty big class. I think one of the bigger ones, and it just keeps, I mean, developments and everything out here. Um, but yeah, then my wife went to her sinus college, so she stayed, literally stayed right here. Uh, great area, though. And it's really, really grown from, you know, back. Getting a drink. Um, so, getting back to the program, and um, so then, why did Scott leave? So Scott has uh, four children, okay. and uh, his oldest son, Braden, is now coaching at Pope John Paul, um, which is a really cool experience for him. Braden just had an amazing year as a sophomore, so he's going to have him for two more years, rising junior, plays receiver, defensive back, really nice player, nice kid, okay. nice athlete. Um, but at the time, when he resigned at the end of 2015, I, I think it was just too much. You know, it's 12 months a year coaching high school football anymore. And yes. In order to do it right anyway. Right, right. And uh, with little kids at home, it, it's tough. So it just wasn't in his family dynamic at that time. And that thing's right. I think he, uh, I think he had intended on being done permanently, and then when Rory Graver left PJP to go to Wissahickon last year, I think he kind of got the bug. Got the bug and the idea of like, you know, who's going to coach my son better than me? So I think he wants to go. He wanted to go back and see Braden through, and, and I think he's going to ride off into the sunset again. We'll it's fantastic. So that, that that brings me, and I hope we're not jumping too far back. What got you into coaching? What do you like about coaching? Uh, 100% it was my high school football coach, uh, Scott Furman, who, you know, for me personally is, is like a, a second father figure. I, I was blessed with amazing parents. I love my dad. Uh, both my parents are still with me and, and amazing figures in my life. But Scott, uh, as my coach at PB in the 1990s, we didn't win a whole lot, but it wasn't about that for him. He, he was the kind of coach who he could just kind of look at you and you... We wanted to run through a brick wall for him. That's great. He, he was just inspirational, the way he carried himself, the intensity that, that he brought to the game, uh, his passion for football, and he genuinely loved his kids. You, you could tell that. Even when he was kind of like hollering in your face, spit coming out, you know, a little vein popping in his neck, you knew it wasn't personal. It was him trying to motivate you to be, to be better. Um, 
you know, he's still a very big part of our program. He comes up every Friday night for our home Does the games. games. He announces games. games. Oh, yeah. He lives in Brigantine, New Jersey. Does he really? Up here to wow. call wow. our games. There is nobody on earth that gives me bigger hugs than, than that man every time I see him. And I can't say enough about him. He's a reason why That's fantastic. I mean, to have an inspiration like that, I mean, we got... We've been friends since high school. This is how we started this thing, right? And um, we were two defensive ends, right? <laughs> just two knuckleheads. But I'm sure you had character kids that just just made the whole team around them better, right? I mean, I, I hate to say this, but that's what our head coach said about us, right? You were the heart and soul of the team. Um, not going back there. But inspiration, it wasn't him. It was other coaches on the team that were it for us, right? I think, like you touched upon, everybody has that coach, whether it's your dad or, you know, I, mine wasn't a high school coach. Mine was a little league coach. And when I first started playing, I, I didn't like playing. I'd get headaches. And I found out why I got headaches from playing football. Because you got to take the hit to somebody, not let them hit you. And I finally had a coach who said that to me, like, Jimmy, you could be good, but you're sitting there and getting beat up. you you got to start beating somebody up. And then all of a sudden, and I love that guy, and he just recently passed away, Mr. Vitale. Oh, I great, thought it was because you were wearing Eddie Gailey's helmet. It wasn't. Eddie Gailey's helmet. I could <laughs> take a bath in that. He had a big head. Uh, but, yeah, there's always somebody who kind of inspired And I, that's what I, you know, how did you get into that? Now, one of the things that Donnie had talked about, which really kind of jazzed me up when he was saying it, was you're not just talking about a team, you're talking about a program. A program. Hey, we got to develop these young guys. We've got to teach them how to do it. How did you develop the program? Is it something that you've done and the rest of the coaches sat down and said, hey, let's do this? Or is it something you kind of learned as you came up? Well, number one, I think the seeds for our success at this particular moment were planted a long, long time before this current staff or even Scott Reed's staff. But you go all the way back to the origins of PV football. You talk about men like Bill Kretz, who's a longtime athletic director. He's on our wall of fame for Junior Valley. Uh, he's one of my dad's uh, customers once my dad left police work and start his own general repair business. So I got I, I always got to see Coach a couple times a year. I actually just saw him last year. Uh, he's doing well. He's almost 90 now. Still wants to talk my ear off about football and how the program's doing. Um, so it's it's sort of a fraternity. Um, but I was very fortunate. I, 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 our staff won Eagles Coach of the Year, uh, the Don Shula Award in 2016. I was in, interviewed by Dave Spadaro. Uh, that year. Oh, nice. Sorry, this is such a downer no, compared to that. But he, he asked me a He's question great. Uh, about, you know, taking over, and we had gone 12-0 that year before we lost to Garnet Valley in the district semis. And I said to him, and I still think it's true, I, mean, I was handed the keys to a catalyst uh, with that 2016 team. I mean, Steven Stern, Justin Jaworski, arguably the best defense that you may have ever had at PB. This past year was really good. Essentially compared to the defense we had this year. It was great. Um, I mean, we had some really nice football players. So, you know, I, I think that the system part of it was in place. I'm trying to do my job as a steward of that and maintain it and make little improvements where we can to just constantly try and get better every time we take a practice. That's, that's my goal. Follow-up for that. You had mentioned your athletic director since... And, you know, I know there's athletic boosters, parents, anybody. I know it's a collaborative effort. You know, even getting together with coaching staff, Sands, the one guy over here. You know, and it's like, how did, like, Norman mentioned earlier, like, the schedule you play is impressive. 
So obviously, uh, Lansdale Catholic, I'm, I, I do the Boosters Club. I still do it with Tom Cook, close friends with the coach and everything. I said, your program's coming down. You want to change your schedule. So I said, yeah, I, I work with my AD. So is that what you do to say, take on all comers, whether it's Roman Catholic, whether it's the Downing Towns? Manheim Central. Was it Manheim Central, man? I mean, the, so I don't know the schedule of Downingtown West, Downingtown East. The, the head of the parents, like, who else besides your coach and stuff? How do, you, how do you put that together? I know that's three questions at one. Yeah, so, so, again, fortunately, when I got hired, our athletic director was a man by the name of Larry Blansky, who was our offensive coordinator when I played under Scott Furman. Great man. Um, he gave me license to pursue our non-league schedule. When, our, when the Pac-10 added the two teams, Upper Marion and Norristown, and we split into the big school, small school divisions, Liberty and Frontier, it was nice because the, the playing field was somewhat level for the smaller schools and the bigger schools. It was more competitive. But the hard part about that is now we needed to schedule four non-league games at the beginning of the season. And once you get past week zero or week one, most other schools are in league. So it's really hard to find somebody to play that third or fourth game of the year. And especially when you've been successful, nobody wants to play you even if they are open. So we've been kind of grasping at straws for those couple games. And you know, like I mentioned in 2016, uh, we had to go to an interact school, which is non-boundary, you know, recruits from all over the place. The school hadn't lost in 21 games. We beat them 27-24 on the last second field goal uh, by our kicker. We wound up going to Cornell. That was um, great. You know, we played Roman Catholic last year. We just scheduled the Delaware State champion playing the next two years, week three. We're playing Smyrna, Smyrna High School, nice. uh, which won the state championship. That's pretty far down Delaware there. this year, 52 to 7. So the home and home? It's a home away. Yeah. So, yeah. They're coming to us next year, and we'll go down there in 24. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. This is great. I mean, it's, it's great watching this program play big-time football. That football game, even though we came out on the – short end against uh, Mannheim Central. That was unbelievable football game. That was one of those who ever had the ball last yep. to win that game. Just yeah. a tremendous football game. My favorite football game, though, was my son's freshman year at Springford. And I'm sitting, well, standing. I never sit at the games. I'm always up against the fence. Standing next to uh, Mark Bowden, his son Jake, right? Yep. Played for you guys last year. And I coached Jake in Little League Baseball and all And so I'm talking to Mark. I'm like, uh... And so, I forget the kid's name, Peterlin gets hurt, right? Paul Peterlin. Yeah, it was his senior year. And you bring in, we're losing, I think, by two, three touchdowns. 20 to three. 20 to three. Three minutes to go in the third quarter. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> this is the greatest, I, well, you know, I hate to use super, superlatives, but it was one of the greatest high school football games that I was ever able to witness. It was just amazing. And so the freshman kid comes in. So next to Mark Bowden is... Ethan Kohler's dad. I didn't know the guy. And I'm like, look at the poise on this kid. This kid's a freshman. Look at the poise on this kid. He was so poised when he came in that freshman year. And um, to watch him grow in the program as well. But to have that kid that ready to step in in that game, amazing. Amazing. Well, Ethan was a, a special kid. Actually, super frost him, which we usually don't do with our ninth graders. That happens very rarely at Perkins Valley. We only do it out of necessity. Right. In that particular year, we had Cole returning an all-league quarterback as a senior, but there was nobody really in the pipeline uh, at 
the quarterback position. And I had heard um, about this kid. He was a PB West. Most of the played for Scott Thurman when he was our yeah. grade coach um, at West Middle School. And coach was in my ear like, Rob, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye out for this kid. This kid's, this kid's a real deal. So we brought him up as a ninth grader to be our JV quarterback. He did everything right. And all the off-season quarterback works. We, we, we work out starting on Tuesday, Tuesday mornings in January right. before school. Growing, watching film, doing quizzes. Came to all of it, just a sponge, soaking everything in. He would stand behind the varsity huddle and go through mental reps. You know, most freshmen don't have the maturity to understand you're a twisted ankle away from getting an opportunity. Right. Ethan, Ethan understood that. And, you know, unfortunately for Cole, he got concussed uh, in that spring court game in front of about 9,500 people. So we trot our 14 year old out there, now 20 to 3. We got us all the way back with 127 20. Greatest game I've ever been Me too. I mean, it was unbelievable to watch that. It was, it was, it was a Malik who made that one hit. Like, they got the ball back. We scored, they got the ball back, and then Malik made the hit and uh, recovered the fumble. Austin Rowley had they had two kids on that team, the quarterback, and I think it was like 15 and 11, I think their numbers were just standing out. And these two kids were incredible. And I remember the kid being all upset as I was walking my son back to the car, and I said, buddy, hold your head high. You played one hell of a game. You know, he did. It was spring a spring for a kid, but, you know. Yeah. Such a cool environment over there. I mean, there are rivals, and uh, of course yeah. we want to beat that up. I feel like every single year we play that, the game just continues to grow in a war. Um, yeah. This year was no different. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. And uh, 9,500 at a high school game, that's a good crowd. You know? Yeah. We actually, we cap it when we play at home. We can only have 6,000 in our stadium because of the limited seating. Um, so they, they sell standing room only around the track, but we're over there. I think they can handle around 10,000. That, that, that night, nice. our student section was in the stands at 530. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was so great. Yeah, it's it's so it's just a cool. You're, you know, stars celebrated program yourself too. Deserving of How do you keep kids interested? Because I have a friend coaches North Penn. It's a struggle, especially if they, especially that team, whether it's a shot or not. You know, they're playing 15 kids instead of. They, they go a lot of guys still go two ones and in that giant school. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of parents to get bitter and, you know, they you think your kid's better. There's no exact science, but how do you keep everybody there so you want to be part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I really think it's word of mouth from the kids personally. I think that the kids talk to other kids in our hallway. I'd like to think that our kids have a positive experience with us. Our coaching staff, as part of our program, even our kids who are sort of these quote-unquote program kids, you know, just want to wear the jersey down the hallway on a Friday. I'd like to think we treat all kids the same and that they understand that they all have a role to play and we're only going to be as strong as our sort of proverbial weakest link. You know, and I, I'd like to think that our our staff promotes that idea. I'd like to think that our captains and our leaders promote that idea. And, and I think that success breeds success. And you know, the more we win and the more kids hear positive things about their, their experiences as part of our program, the more kids want to be a part of something like that. 
So, you know, I think that's one of my big roles and one of the big roles of our coaching staff is keep promoting it. Yeah, this year we had, uh, we had two seniors come out this year, Anu and um, yeah, yeah, Brogy Smith. Yeah. That just never played football before was wanted to be part of the team. That's you know, fantastic. they're out there getting reps, having a good time, and you know, and I think the one played JV because you can. I think it's your first year, or whatever. You're a senior, and they just here. It's a great program. And come on out. That's now, that's fantastic. You, you being a teacher, I mean, do you ever like walk down the hallway and see a kid? Like <laughs> we, we were talking talk about, about this earlier, earlier and say, "Why aren't you on a team?" Oh my gosh. If my wife were here, was here, she she would interject the answer to this. I'm doing that constantly. <laughs> not only in our hallways, I do it at my son's basketball games. I do it at my son's lacrosse game. Yeah. That kid should be playing guard for me. Yeah. yeah. That kid looks like he has a future. Look at the footwork on that guy. Oh my gosh. I, I I just do it subconsciously. I think I'm always we're always recruiting our own building. I'm always looking at our basketball team, our our wrestling team, our track team. You know, is there a kid that I could make? enticed to come out and play football for us in the, in the fall and I gotta just say uh, speak highly of the rest of the head coaches in our building. I think that all of us are very supportive of one another. I hear stories at other schools where you know coaches are kind of competing for kids and urging their kids to be one sport athletes and don't play football you'll get hurt for basketball. I don't think that happens at PB. We encourage our kids to wrestle and play basketball and do track. I know the lacrosse coach does that. He played football for us. Brian Churchy, he's the head lacrosse nice. coach. He encourages his kids to and play There's a lot football. of similar. PB lacrosse is pretty big, and that's yeah. very similar. It, it's, it's, it's a very positive, I think, culture just athletically um, in our building right now. I think that helps all of our programs to win. And I think that's important. And Don had mentioned that when he was on that you guys encourage guys to play another sport. Because your footwork in basketball and your handwork in baseball would help you in football. And same thing with football, your hips and your shoulders, and that's going to help you block somebody out in basketball. So, you know, when I hear this, I only play one sport, I hate that. Because when we all grew up, we all played sport after sport after sport. When basketball ended, it was baseball. Baseball and football. And here you go with that. I forget the percentage, but if you look at the last 10 years, the, the, the first-round draft picks in the NFL, it's some exorbitant number. Almost all of them were multi-sport athletes. Yeah. You know, number one, I personally think that you get burnout when you specialize too early. And I know a sport it, that you once loved <laughs> or had a passion for it that's taken from you. You need a break uh, from whatever it is that you love, in my opinion. You're, you're working different muscle groups. You're, you're experiencing different team dynamics. You're hearing different uh, culture points and coaching points from different coaches. And I feel like our kids then come back to us um, in the fall or whenever whenever they're done playing their other sport and they're hungry to play football again. You know, our, our mantra is if, if you're going to play another sport, great. Go do it. Be invested in it. We'll see you when that sport's over. The expectation is if you're not playing another sport, you're with us. That's great. What do you guys do in the offseason? So if I'm not playing, or you have lifting programs, you know, John does the tackling. What are you guys doing? So we'll start up in January. Uh, we, we adopted a uh, strength and conditioning program from Texas Tech University last year, which is really based on um, power cleaning. That's the heart of the program. Uh, you know, a lot of these big-time football athletes aren't lifting like we lifted 
you know, everything was about back squat and bench press, right? Well, bench press doesn't really do you a whole lot of good if you're a skilled player, quarterback, or, you know, for the lineman it's good, but that's really more tight elbows, in close, you know, um, work, working the stuff that Donnie's our master at, kind of this thumbs out, leverage game. Um, we're more about explosive hips, developing explosive, powerful athletes. That's what we want to do. So we live three days a week starting in January. I'll meet with our quarterbacks every Tuesday morning. We'll work on mechanics and the mental part of the game, watch film. We start with our most recent game and we work our way all the way back. So we'll start with CB West and work all the way back to all 13 games. And then every Friday morning we have whole team sessions before school at 6.30 a.m. where we'll start to put our basic installs in at the end of January. So one Friday we'll do offense, we'll start with square one, here's our basic install. Then we'll do defense, start with square one, and then we'll do a heads up Friday morning where Donnie will take our kids in the uh, wrestling room and do our helmetless tackling stuff and just start with our heads up football from square one. So every kid is getting it from from the very beginning. That's, that's great. So the discipline, um, when my dad was still alive, I always talked to him about how proud I was of your, you know, the program that you run here and how the kids, the national anthem with the helmet under the arm, all lined up facing the flag. You don't see that at other schools. And it was just, I said, when you see that, you know you're up against it. This team's not going to be penalized. <laughs> you know, it's like these are big things that make a difference in every game. Penalties, turnovers, it all starts with the discipline. And um, it's, I mean, that is a huge thing that I see in that. Thank you. I mean, I, I think our kids do a pretty nice job with details. You know, I'm a detail-oriented person. That's kind of my personality. Um, I think that that's generally the personality of our coaching staff, which I cannot say enough about. Um, I am incredibly blessed to have, I, I, I know this sounds cliche, but there's no question in my mind that's the best coaching staff top in the state. I have guys yeah, that have been uh, a part of our program for 27 years. And that just doesn't happen um, in, in, in high school sports. You know, I have a USA Football Master Clinician. You know, this guy will he'll deflect credit as he always does, but we're so fortunate to have him. I mean, he's, he's traveling the country teaching professional teams and college teams how to tackle better, how to, how to take the head out of the game, how to be safe, and he's on our coaching staff. Our, our kids don't know how fortunate they are to have him. Our offensive line coach is, is the best around, Jason Basil. Our defensive coordinator, Matt Young, played at Procumbent Valley, as did Jason. I was going to say Jason Basil. And that's the other thing. I mean, the large majority of them are PV guys. Right. And Donnie's a Jenkintown guy. We have a couple others from outside of the PV. Uh, world, but most of our staff are PB alumni, and I think it it's something that they take pride in. It means something to them to continue to grow the program. That's great. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you: is How did you come up with the staff? Did you did you pick these guys? Did you inherit them? I heard nightmare stories from my old alumni. Was they gave a list of 
like 20 guys who taught in the uh, the township and said, all right, pick guys from here because that, you can only have these guys. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with your stuff? Well, it's funny how the whole thing actually shook out. Scott Reed and I are roughly the same age. So in 2014, um, you know, I always wanted to be a head coach. I told my wife when we first met, I, I want to coach football. That's what I want to do. And teaching was kind of a conduit to, to get to that. I love teaching. Um, if I could coach football and make a living, I'd do it in Harper. Um, but in 2014, I'm kind of reading the tea leaves, and Scott, Scott's a young guy. He didn't seem like he was going anywhere anytime soon. So I actually interviewed for the head coaching job at Central Bucks West, ironically enough. Um, they had had an unfortunate uh, hazing scandal up there, and their whole coaching staff got let go. A man by the name of Brian Hensel was the head coach up there. So I interviewed, and uh, it was a pretty intense process. I was a little bit surprised by the process, but storied program, they wanted you know, to get the right person there, and I got offered the job. And I really did some uh, soul searching. In order to do it right, I was going to have to move my family, in my opinion, you know, up to Chalfon or Burlestown. You have to be in the building, in my opinion, to do this particular job correctly. To have a, a, a handle on the kids in the hallways and how they're doing in school, yeah. to, to do it correctly, in my opinion. So, you know, I kind of made a pro-con list on the list guy, and ultimately, talking to my wife, Jill, we decided... We're going to stay at PB. This is where we wanted to be. This is where we wanted to raise our family. You know, you're happy coaching, doing what you're doing. And then as fate would have it, Scott decided the next year that he was going to walk away. And it, That's amazing. You know, it, it worked out, and, and I'm here. And, you know, we, it's funny. When Scott retired, um, the coaching staff, including myself, Donnie wasn't quite with us yet. We all sat down. We looked at each other and was like, all right, Matt Young, our defense coordinator, you know, you're kind of the most senior statesman here. Do you want to do this? And Matt was unequivocally, I don't have any interest in being the head coach. I want to continue coaching. I don't have any interest. So then we kind of looked at Jason Basil, who's the next most senior member, uh, our offensive line coach. Coach Basil, I don't have any interest. So I put my name in. They were all very supportive. I got the job. I inherited a large part of Scott's uh former staff, and uh, in my seven years as the head coach, I've been able to bring some some really, really important pieces on. Our staff has grown. We only had four contracted coaches when I started, plus myself, so five total that were paid. Everybody else was a volunteer. Our school district has been gracious enough. We now have um, seven contracted coaches plus myself, so we have eight paid coaches That's great. and two volunteers, and our volunteers are incredible. And these guys do everything that our paid staff does. They do it for nothing. They do it out of the kindness of their heart because they want to be a part of the program. They love the kids. Um, so we are very, very fortunate from staff. That's great. Yeah, it's a good staff. You can just see them work with the kids. I. You know, if I'm not at the game, I'm watching it on YouTube, which I think those two guys do a really nice job. And they always coach, and, and, and you know, it's coach, coach, coach. Like, this guy must have been the head coach. I, I think um, overall, too, we, we, we get along really well. I mean, it's a long season. It's yeah. long, you know. I got that impression from you last time. Yeah, we yeah. all get along really well. I mean, everyone has their different personalities and all, but we get along. Like, I've been on staffs where... There's always one or two guys. I mean, I was on PJP when there was a fist fight on the sideline with two coaches. You know, I wasn't involved in it, but you know what I mean? Like, just, and they, they didn't speak the rest of the season. You know, and you're on a staff meeting, you're trying to talk, and these two won't even talk to each other. 
But I think genuinely we get along really, really well. And our our, our, our wives do. I mean, everybody. Like, we, we know all the other guys, kids and stuff like that. So That's great. To me, uh, being a part of a, not only coaching staff, being a part of a football team is something that carries you through life. You know, being on a football team, we all played football. <laughs> it's something that you carry. These are, you know, it's not, but you go into battle with these guys. You, from summer camp now, year-round, right, you're, you're training and everything. But you're out there and you're walking off that field and you know you left it all out there. I mean, these are guys that you're friends with for life, you know? I mean, there, there's life lessons in sports. They really are. You know, really, I mean, I, I'm in, you know, I'm in banking and, you know, I'm coaching mostly, you know, coaching, teaching and managing women and I'm throwing out, you know, football stories. Like, we got to get out there and we got to get out there. And they're looking at me like, Jesus, Jim's going to blow a kiss. Like, I'm so, I'm so, come on, girls, we're going to do great today. I'm surprised, you didn't, I'm surprised you didn't say my father. Oh, his, I love his dad. His dad is the man. He was the ultimate motivator. He could just, he could get the most out of the, you know, Roxborough High School. And these were tough kids that, poor kids. And my dad could get the most out of a kid that just never gave it. And it was just that. Well, that's, a, that's a talent. Uh, I would have yeah. liked to have met him. Because that, that's uh, great a guy. Was he, skill. did he Rox, Roxborough High School? Yeah. Yeah, Roxborough yeah. High School. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he started late 60s all the way through the 90s. And he ended up walking away when he had, you know, the school started to change. And he had four kids who were stars in the team. And they decided to skip practice the one day. My dad said, you're off the team. He knew. They skipped practice. He was disciplinarian in the high school. Kicked him off the team. And, you know, the parents came back. And he was trying to prove a point. And there just became a whole community thing. And... It's like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore, you know? That part of it is a challenge. You know, they're, they're, they're circling back to your question from a moment ago. I think that football, in my mind, the biggest lesson today is that we live in an instant gratification society. Yeah. You know, people generally, and I don't want to sound like I'm standing on a soapbox or anything, but, you know, I think that kids today think that they're just going to wish success. You know, they're going to they're, they're gonna show up and it's going to happen for them. Right. Football, above many other things, I think teaches work ethic. It teaches how to handle failure, how to learn from failure. Uh, you know, if you gauged our season this last year on on the idea of did you win the district championship, then it was a failure because we did. If, if you gauge our season on the fact that I believe every single week we stepped on the field on Friday night, our team was better than the week before, and the relationships that our kids developed and the experience, the overall positive experience that they had uh, was, was, a, was a heartfelt and, and one that they could reflect on finally, then I think our season was a, a wild success. I think your season was an unbelievable success. 11-2, um, <laughs> some unbelievable wins. And, you know, you had a, a senior quarterback get injured. You, you had a, a sophomore kid ready uh, to go. I mean, the kid managed the game well, right? You didn't put him in situations where it was too much for him. He managed the, the game, which was what I thought great. I looked at a kid like... Um, the Poroban kid, who was a superstar the year before. He's a superstar still. But he had to take a step back and say, all right, the ball's not going to come to me as much because 
we got to look at different ways to win this game this year, yeah. right? And you know, he was open, and but that kid, I mean, the, he showed heart. Gritty. Yeah, greedy little kid. Smart kid. And, and good for you. You're going to have him for another two years. And uh, but the defense this year, there were so many kids to like on that team this year. Um, I love the two DNs. They were great. They were the, the, number five, seven. Number seven. That kid was. Number 77, number seven. These kids, I can just from, I don't know their names, but I'm just like, love so our, watching our these kids. defensive ends, uh, both seniors, Shane Nelson and Vance Junker. There were single-digit numbers? Yeah, number eight and number nine. Yes. Awesome kids. These kids, I told you, Jimmy, these kids were awesome to watch. Erbaum was our returning junior captain. We only have one junior captain picked by our team. Okay. He, he was number 12, our slot receiver. Great athlete. Captain, phenomenal kid, 4.8 GPA. He wants to go to school and be a doctor. I mean, this kid, if, yeah. if your son's turned out like this kid, ticket, yeah, yeah. Uh, just amazing kid. Um, we just had a great group this year. Carson Pasco, number five, our weak side alley player, was the Mercury All Area uh, Player of the Year, uh, which was pretty cool. Great kid, wrestler. Number kid. thirty was really good too. Number thirty's only junior. Yeah, it's that kid. I really like that kid too. He was. I, you just like seeing the kids that never take a playoff. And are just all around the ball. That's what I loved about the defense this year. Had a lot of kids. Was, uh, Robbie Sturge, he's a junior. He didn't start until our fourth game. Okay. Our fourth game of the season, which was Roman Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And like we knew, like we kind of knew we had it. We had another kid, Kersey, who was our stud backer, but we could use him on D line through rotation. And Sturgis was just as good, you know, and he came in and he would have thought he's been there for two years and played so well. Yeah, it was just a, a fun team to watch this year and really, uh, you know, as part of this community and the two of you being re a big responsible portion of watching that success that that team had this year, it was just great. Um, that's why I said to you, it's, it's big for this community. And what people don't understand, when we first went about that turf field, right, which was a big deal to get the turf field over there. And that probably happened on, when you were head coach, I think. It did. Uh, we, had, we lost um, in the playoffs to Quaker Town in 2017 on our old grass field. Um, I don't remember our seed, but we were heavily favored. I want to say, say we were the three seed, uh, and they were maybe the 14 seed. And, I mean, it was a monsoon. Every game that year, remember? You had to play at Methacton the one yeah, game. We, we had two, Home team two at Methacton. Games that got moved away because of uh, our field conditions, including yep. our senior game, uh, which got moved away. So we played that game in four inches of peanut butter, and we lost. And listen, both teams had to play in the game, and I'm not ever going to be one of those that makes excuses about the conditions, but I don't think it helped us. Let's put it that sure. way. So, you know, I made some comments I think that maybe I in hindsight shouldn't have publicly about the condition of our facilities and you know a school of our magnitude with the success that our yep. programs have had our, I felt our athletes deserve better and you know through that and other people um, uh, being proponents of it the ball started rolling so the district sent it to referendum uh, they put it on the ballot that next fall uh, and the way the referendum not to get overly political, but the way the referendum question was posed on the ballot. It's horrible. It didn't it was horrible. It didn't really lend itself to nope. a, a likelihood of being I was so bummed. And I and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was so bummed that I'm gonna tell you why. 
I knew my son was never going to step foot and play a sport there, right? I mean, my son swam. That was his thing. He played, you know, water polo, and, and it was a swimmer. But for me, as part of the community, what people were missing out on is the multi-use of that turf. You can host games now, right? I mean, it's it does so much more soccer. Uh, you know, you could do field hockey. And to take care of all these other fields that you had to ready and prep constantly, it, it pays for itself by having a turf field. And people couldn't see through that. And I would get into arguments with people, and I'm like, why am I? Why can't people see this? You know? Well, and to, to your point, I mean, they, they now do a nice job our business department of renting it out to outside lacrosse groups and outside soccer groups, the Longhorns, which is one of our youth uh, feeder programs. Uh, the referees are getting... Rent, rent, rents out our field for their... Um, I forget what they call it. Oh, uh, like the Pop Warner League playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs. Oh, it's great. Playoffs. Our little Vikings youth program rents it out for their Perky Bowl every year. That's great. Have, have the little kids playing the stadium. I mean, it's just, it's it's been so much better. And our community is incredible. Our games on Friday nights. I mean, it is electric yeah. in our stadium. It's such a cool thing to be a part of. I was so happy when that finally went through. And I still get in arguments with people, friend, even friends of mine over it. because Why, because taxes pay for it? But it's so minimal. It's, it's so minimal. minimal. And it was, you know, and I'm I think it was $17 a year. It was, went off, right? it was ridiculous. Like you said, if you don't word it right, that's not how I'm And that was the problem with it, is the way it was worded on that referendum. It was just like, do you basically, do you want your taxes to go up to pay for a turf field? That's basically what it said. I, forget, I think it said something like, are you willing to incur $2 million worth of debt to... Instead of saying it's 17 bucks a year. And and all along, all I kept saying is they're going about this all wrong. Just say this is what we spend per year. We had to rent Methacton's field twice, right? Or Let's think about what we're spending per year to maintenance this field that we're not going to have to spend as much anymore. And all the other fields that we have to... I mean, the field hockey team was going, what? They're renting out space, correct? Yes. Yeah, they were using an off-site facility for their own practice. It was like $15,000 a year, but field hockey... So yeah, people couldn't 000. see the forest through the trees. I'm just like, come on. Let's, let's cut. And well, people don't want to hear it. It was a kid. process, but we got there. We yeah. did, and it's... The field is beautiful now. It's nice to have... We have a little bit longer nap uh, of turf on our football field, which I love. Like, the synthetic turf is a little bit longer. Okay. And then they put the shorter nap turf in the baseball stadium. So baseball and softball. And yeah, I saw they put that in. Plays down there. Oh, that's right. That's like right. The tighter, the tighter nap. Uh, it's it's worked out. Wonderful. Yeah. So now we got to start. Um, you know, they have the they used to have those super sites, but now everything goes to what was it? Northeast. I mean, but we could be in play for these kind of things. Yeah. You know, uh, the five super sites in Philly. Yeah. yeah you know, it, it's like There's one in Mount Airy, yeah. one in South Philly, one in Northeast High School. That's yeah. where they dumped the all the money. Benjamin Johnson Field, whatever. Yeah. I think Washington is Washington's one of them too. High yeah. School. yeah. Matter of fact, we had a uh, we had an Eagles uh, youth clinic at the at Park Valley this summer. We had 20 kids there. And they bring a couple of Eagles alumni. All the PV coaches jumped in. We're coaching. But um, when I sent all the information, like the pictures in, the Eagles said, "This is our prototype. This is, if we're going to have it at high school, this is the high. School, this is the requirements. The bathrooms yeah. are right there. Beautiful yeah. field. Did they pay you know. buck for it, or was it? Yeah, no, they pay. Yeah, they rent. But like most of them are at the bubble down there. But yeah. you know, when the busy season, like you know, when they're starting to come in, like July, you know, we got to go to a high school and stuff like that. And they they literally said, "This is our prototype." So they're like, next year we might have one at PV and Garner Valley. 
they're going to check Garner Valley out, and Garner Valley has to look just like us, or they're not going to do it. I would have liked to have seen this defense play Garner Valley. Me too. You know, because I thought it was a good matchup for PV. You know, and I would have loved to have seen this team try and shut down that run. And I thought we had a good matchup there. I think we would have been right there. I mean, you know, it's hard to play the. Look at this team. We played. We played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we both played spring forward. We played spring forward to a seven-six win. Spring forward took our guy to overtime in the, in the district playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think our defense would have done really, really well. Yeah, I definitely think that too. And that was a good game. I was watching both games that night. Um, yeah, we were we were both watching both games that night. You know. Uh, CBS PV game, and then uh, the Garner Valley was playing Downingtown East, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. You was say how it's a long season. This is a really football question. How do you keep it fun and you're keeping you guys getting along? So staff and fun for the kids to do like certain things at different parts of the season? Well, I think that really boils down to our strength and conditioning staff. We have two guys, uh, my defensive line coach, Tim Conley, and my running backs coach, Chris Finkbeiner, who are kind of our strength and conditioning leads. And they do a phenomenal job of making it fun in the weight room. Football nowadays, in my view, is really about January to August and being in those four walls of the weight room and getting our kids' bodies ready to handle the rigors of, of a varsity football game. These two guys do that amazingly, and they make it fun. They'll, they'll intermix um, in dodgeball games and we'll play sideline football. We'll go out and we mix up our conditioning to kind of make it competitive. We, we, we have these huge 300-pound uh, uh, mixer concrete truck tires that we flip oh, and do nice. like relay races with. And, you know, we're playing music in there and trying to get the energy going. I just think that they do a, a, a really, really terrific job of making something that's very hard to do. When you're seven months away from stepping foot on the field on a Friday night, to push a kid past where they want to go mentally and physically is a very challenging thing to do. And those two guys do a great job of it. So that, that's a huge part of it. I think making it fun. And obviously in the season, it's fun to win. Right? I think it's fun. We make our practices fun. Our, our practices are competitive. Our best teams are when our scout defense wants to like show up our varsity offense and our scout offense wants to show up our varsity defense and they're trying to kind of like get each other but it's in a, a good spirited, good hearted, like fun way like alright I'll see you next play type thing. It's nothing it's nothing vindictive or malice based. It's it's we're trying to get better but we're trying to make it competitive and have fun doing it at the same time. Do you see any kids through this process that you're kind of saying, hey, this guy's he's coming on. This guy was kind of quiet last year, but look at him go now. He's in all these drills, and man, he's coming on. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I, I say to our parents every August at our parent meeting, um, listen, you know, like, this is our job. My job is quite literally every day to be evaluating your son as to their ability to play and be successful on a Friday night. So we, we are evaluating constantly. And my staff, myself included, we are a big believer in the best 11 are going to play. If that means that that's a ninth grader over a senior, 
if that means that's a sophomore over a senior, we're going to put the best 11 on the football field. If you prove that you are one of the best 11 throughout that week of practice or past games, it's going to be your job. Uh, Donnie does a great job with that with our special teams. He's our special teams coordinator. We're constantly taking things off the kickoff or kickoff return or punt team. Listen, you're, you're not doing what we need you to do. This kid's going to get an opportunity to prove they can do it. And, um, you know, I think that, that I think the kids understand it. I think we do it as fair a way, as objective as a way as possible. And I just way that our program works. So the special teams, I mean, that's another thing where you talk about discipline. I was saying that earlier, right? Not to toot your horn, but seriously, the special teams, since I've been following this program, have always been on point. Like everything, kickoff coverage, um, extra points, um, you know, where the kickoff goes and the coverage and staying in your lanes and everything. It's like everything is done right. And, it's, and the kids that are out there on these special teams, as you just said, they're all hustling. You can see that kid is happy to be out there, and he's hustling because he knows someone's going to be watching that tape later, and I want to make sure I'm not dogging it. You know, it's like, but I notice all these things when I'm watching your game, your team. It's, it is top-notch to watch the special teams. The kid that went, but you've been very fortunate. You've had very good kickers. I mean, you had the kid, like you said, that went to Colgate. Oh, my God. I had a kid by the name of Mike Weir who was a uh, uh, nationally recognized uh, rugby player. He's at Dartmouth. Yeah, he's the number two flyer in the country. Okay. That's like being the number two quarterback. You know, two, number two yeah. running back, and he's good. He's great. But the short, the kids are always shorthanded, catching the punts yeah. and whatever. I mean, I think he had little, I always call him little because I always coach him in literally little loop. <laughs> Ricky and Jeremy Brewer, you know, these yeah. kids returning punts, and it's like, this is awesome to watch, you know, these kids grow up. I take pride in committing time to it at practice. Yeah. I mean, Donnie, I think, would admit there's certainly things that we can do better. Uh, our, our big, uh, the thing that gets both he and I going a little bit is PAT, field goal, uh, kicking yeah. extra points. Is, 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 it's tough to do consistently. Yeah. One guy breaks down, down, that's it. One guy has to break down, that's it. It's so then down. there's a lot of factors in that, okay? So you have a holder, you got a snapper, you got a kicker, right? But you, I mean, the line still has to do their job, right? Push the guy, you know, everybody has a job to do. Pinch the gaps, nobody gets in between. But if you have, talk to me about, okay, the, the guy who snaps my punts, snaps my kicks, gets hurt. You know, it's like the kid who holds gets hurt. How do you run through that at practice? We, we, don't really, we just we saw have, this happen with the Eagles, by the way. Yeah, we have a couple. Like if our holder went down, we would probably talk for a couple seconds. Like, like uh, Ray Prone also coached special teams with us and see who we're going to put in there. But, you know, we don't obviously want to get that person hurt, too, you know? Right. But uh, long snappers, we usually have a second guy that can go in. Um, kicker, you know, we had a, we had a second team kicker who we're hoping will move up next year and be our, our varsity kicker. Uh, we have another kicker coming in who's going to be a sophomore next year. He's supposed to be corporately. He's supposed to be unbelievable. Kick, freshman, I think they said he kicked 12 in the, in the end zone. All touchbacks as a ninth grader this year on our undefeated, <laughs> undefeated ninth grade team. It's That's just fantastic. Luck. Some of it's luck as in all the kickers coming through. We're not like training these guys. Yeah, like, I know, I know, I got you. you know, like I know but it's having end, those people on the ready, which is yeah, also big for so the program. At the know? end of the season, we have a long snapper and a kicker punter from JV. So I spoke to both of them. I gave them a list of uh, camps to go to. And I said, it might cost you a couple dimes, but 
you're probably going to have to stay overnight somewhere in Delaware or New York City, but go, get this special training and come back. Yeah. You know, because like, like Coach said, we're competitive. The best the best guy is going to um, is going to, is going to kick off. The best guy is going to launch. Yeah. I was like, Kennedy's kid. Is Brian Kennedy's kid? Yes. It's Brian Kennedy's brother's kid. Okay. Brian Kennedy coached at Norristown. And then he went to Upper Murray for a little bit. And then he's PJP, Methacton, Norristown. He's head coach Methacton now. Yeah, he started Norristown with my wife. Well, my wife told Kyle. He played in that 20 to 3 game. Oh, okay. <laughs> no kidding. It's like big. But, uh, do you guys ever just pick up soccer? Like a lot of programs don't think of cooking that much and say, you get the extra soccer. Yeah. Now, one of them was my nephew who did a great job for Abington. Yeah, we we have actually had a really great relationship with our soccer program. Yeah. Was Mike Weir, the rugby kid who went to Dartmouth, was a soccer player that we, he, he played those sports that year. And then we had a kid by the name of Kyle Chidoba. Uh, who we recruited from the soccer soccer team who was wonderful people for us as well. So, yeah. That's great. It's great to have um, Also, too, you were talking about special teams, like getting back to that. And like the last time I was here, I was talking to you about like like we tell our JV kids, we're watching you. The whole varsity said watches our film. You're going to catch our eye. That's how you. That's your gateway to varsity football yeah. Friday nights. And every year, Rob will know. Like kids are coming up, and then. Coach Perone's great. He, we talk all week. He watches film, and he'll be like, hey, get this kid off. So that might be a senior that's a program kid. We're trying to get him some um, some reps. But if this sophomore is performing on Mondays for us, just watch. And that's how you get the better. Somebody. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely. So I mean, here's some kid who's your third string whatever, but he's busting his ass. You say, man, I recognize that you're on the varsity kickoff team or whatever. I think part of it is we as we've um, continued to be successful, our school, you know, our numbers have grown. We started out with ninety-three on our roster this year and we finished with eighty-five. But with that comes we tend to be a senior heavy team. So, you know, we take pride in our JV program. Uh, we give it a lot of attention. Our JV just won its 40th straight game. I completely told us that. 40 straight games in a row. We haven't lost since 2019. Coach Conley was there. That's fantastic. Sorry, Coach. There's no doubt we have juniors on our team who come into their junior year and think, you know, I'm a varsity player. And it's sometimes a a tough wake-up call for them that even as a junior, you're just not quite there yet. Or we have a senior who's just that much a little bit better. We need you to play on Mondays. Continue to, you know, cultivate your skills. We're watching you closely. You know, just understand your role. You're going to get your turn. And I think that kids take pride in our success at the JV level. I think they understand how we approach it at this point. It's worked out well. And, and you can see it on Mondays. We'll be playing one of the pack teams, and we're going through warm-ups. We're bam, bam, bam. You know, like at PV, they're putting in place. You're watching them. We're, they're putting in plays. Oh, we're geez. already set. We're ready to go because we've been doing it all week. Yeah. You know, and that's a big, big difference of time that we get to work with the kids. You know, and, and all the coaches. Like, we have six guys that travel on Mondays. 
So it's not like there's like one or two coaches come out. There's the whole staff is involved, and I think the parents see, it, the kids see it. They help. You know, we're we're dedicated to them. That's great. That's, a, that's, that's an investment. Yeah, it is because you know we came up in a program where the JV was ignored. Ignored. You know, then you're, but then you get to varsity, and like you say, hey, it's my turn. Put me in. And you know the JV. You know if you're putting your time in and you're saying, hey, you're you're working hard. You're going to get your shot. And if nothing else, when it is their time, you're cultivated because the seniors graduate, off they go. Here comes a new group of new guys. And now they're bought in. You've worked with them. Now they know you because you've talked with them. You know them, they know you. So the buy-in is there. I think another part of it is uh, our kids who we do wind up calling on, those, you know, JV starters who know that they are one step away from being on the field on Friday night, they have such a good relationship with our varsity starters that they they feel if they're given an opportunity, they don't want to let those kids down. So they want to be engaged. They want to be mentally prepared, physically prepared to step in and, and be the next guy up, so to speak, if their number gets called because they don't want to let the seniors down. And I think that that kind of feeds on itself too. So, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say about midway through the season, I, I remember directly, we, uh, some of the kids that are seniors weren't getting it done on special teams, so we moved up three or four uh, sophomores and juniors from our JV program into like starting special teams, like two or three of our teams, and the one kid, uh, uh, Braden uh, Perone, weighs 120 pounds, but the kick of freaking tackle. They yeah, kick exactly. you we love kids like there. that. Yeah. I mean, he was in there the whole district time, you know, in the district playoffs. Little, uh, what number is he? 19. 19. You know, and no fear. I love kids like that. It's yeah. like. Any kid you want, like, you know. Yeah. Out there. He's a I'm going to lay it all out there, man. It's And that's great to hear that he's only 120 yeah. pounds, because guess what? doesn't matter. At that, you know, I know it's all about building, and you want but, man, when you have a kid that has the heart yeah. like that, the more of them you can get on the field, the better yeah. your, your outcome's always going to be. You know, that they're not – because it's about beating that guy in front of you, you know? yeah. And it's like, you want that kid. Oh, that's great to well, hear. Was, Don warned me, you know, don't, don't tell any misspent youth stories that it could get him, you know, fired. Or, you know, <laughs> I have, right now, there's somebody be putting his hands behind his back. So with that, you program, you know, say you don't want to make excuses. How do you deal with, because next year I might be uh, ref in one of your games. So with that being said, I know some of the staff, including Selena, that does that time. How do you work that no excuses to your kids? Because there are kids that, you know, you talk about we self-entitle them ourselves. You know, it's just a new way it goes. But with that being said, how do you get to say, oh, that's not, I've heard a coach, a head coach of a major high school say, not your fault, they're bad call. He's just already had a building thing, and it, it, it goes both ways. Like, meaning certain programs are losing, are, you know, they, they, they think they need a rest call. We're here trying to stay out of your way and call, as you know. I mean, it's hard to remember that anymore. What's your relationship like? Are you considering? See, I asked him one time, and somebody's like, the guy's not a problem. Matter of fact, it works to your advantage when you're that way because when you're catching somebody's ear for a legitimate bad call, it's in your conscience. Like, damn, that guy hasn't said a word to me. So I must have missed that. Or I'll, I'll, I will keep an eye on that guy holding. And that's the call you, especially in football. It might only be for the call. How do you do that as a well, group? Number one, the officials are an absolutely vital part of our game that we love. And you need that arbiter, you know, to be there and keep the playing field level and, and call it fairly and make sure that each team is abiding by the rules of, of 
this very thing. This is part of the problem that is the epidemic sweeping across high school sports, generally football included, right? Is that we scapegoat these, these poor people who are largely uh, trying to officiate sports for next to nothing, for pennies, uh, on the hour, especially football where you need to be there. 5.30 in the evening, you don't get home till 9.30 for $75, you know, what's that, uh, whatever that dollar amount is. Um, you know, I think it's easy to, to, to kick blame onto someone else when you lose. You know, where there are some calls in that game that were lost by one point to CB West that I wish had gone our way, undoubtedly. Was that the reason that we lost? No. We didn't play well enough on offense in that game. Uh, we made a, mis a, special a special teams mistake. That's why we lost. It wasn't because of a, a missed call or two here or there. That being said, I'm working on him on how to spot the ball. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, we need to get more people. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Doing this, and part of it, you know, I go to my son's youth games. I did the Longhorns and all them. And I mean, it's just unbelievable to me the things that the brazen that the people are yelling yeah. from the sidelines and you know coming under the ropes and grabbing their kids by the face mask and coaching them in game. It's just like. Know your role. You know, let the coaches coach your kid. Let the officials officiate. You sit there and be a dad or be a mom and be a positive um, role model for your for your child. That's what we need to get back to, and we're missing that largely in all of these sports. That's why guys are leaving officiating. We can't find enough people. I mean, there's talk in this state about moving high school football games to Thursday nights because they don't have enough, they don't have enough officials to do it on Friday nights. Nobody wants to do it. And that, that is really... Pennsylvania, it's Friday night football. This 65-year-old guy was standing up, and you know, we're showing the tape, and the coach has the right to show the tape, and he said, you know, why did you miss that call? He goes, because I'm 65 and I'm out of shape. Like, I have to do three of the amount of time games, including me. I got fast track. You know, I still have to take the certification test in the background, but other than that, they're almost like, hey, you got you can, like, you can do the sprint for it back then. I really shouldn't be if you're doing it. I mean, if you think about it, these guys who are officiating at the top levels, right, in the NFL, have the benefit of a team of officials sitting in New York to fix any yeah. any mistake that they make. Right. Our guys don't have no. that. You know, they, they have to make these split-second decisions with, with from the vantage point that they're in at that time to the best of their ability. We have to understand that there's going to be some... Uh, some mistakes that are going to be made and, and, and treat people with respect. I think, I think this year, as a staff, we did a great job. I don't, you know, we're like, Rob basically is our spokes, spokes guy to the officials. For years past, sometimes we got a little chippy with them. But I said two years, I think it was two years ago, I said, have you ever seen a call get reversed? So why waste your breath? You know, they, they know they make a mistake. And you see, you get like a, a payback call maybe in the next quarter or something like that. But it's not even necessarily like waste of breath. Yeah, there was one game, the game you and I were at, the Souderton game. And your receiver, and the guy's just literally full extension, and the referee's right there. And I'm like, buddy, come on. And he's like pulling his jersey. Why? He would have been wide open. You know, it's just stuff that frustrates you, you know. I mean, naturally. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. How did so, you, how, I'm sorry. Okay. How did you get connected with the program? Yeah, yeah. 
I was over at uh, PJP, but I was like I knew Rob a little bit from coaching the JV over PJP also. But I knew uh, Coach Basil because he taught my kids and Coach Young, and just I, I was a big fan of PJ. I went to all, all their games. Well, my son, my nephew, both sons, my both my nephews went through PJ, so I always went to their games and saw how they were. And then I think after Rob got hired, um, I, I was kind of playing on, I was basically moving out of the door with uh, PJP because I wasn't happy with the program. But I, I talked to Malvin Preck, talked to Norris Town, and I got an email from um, our defense coordinator to see if I was interested. I mean, it took me a second. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. Let's go. And I entered, uh, was the best interview ever for Rob. I just lied for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they brought me on, and I loved it like from the beginning. Good. I loved it. That's great great. guy. Yeah, awesome I mean, guys. just hearing you talk, like, when, when Don, Don was on, and he had nothing but... So many good things. I mean, I'm sitting there like, man, I want to, I want to go. We, we got, we're making him a fan, even though he lives in North Bend. I, mean, I, I haven't been a high school game since CB West made all their runs way yeah. back when. But after hearing you got now hearing you talk, but hearing Don, I'm saying it's like football season. You call me, I'm going. Yeah, I want to see these guys. Well, I like I like Donnie mentioned. First of all, it was one of the best calls I made. As I we talked for an hour. We had a great conversation. He, he did tell me a little bit uh, that, that he wanted to coach some offense as well. I mean, that, that, that thing uh, that thing wind up coming to fruition. One practice. <laughs> what, what he does with our defense, what he does with our special teams, what he does with our tackling program, I, I, I would put up against any high school team. That's yeah, great. He, he's just phenomenal. We're blessed to have him. And he mentioned a few minutes ago, we genuinely enjoy being around each other. Yeah, I mean, you, we can, have you can tell. That. You can just hear it's like a bunch, like a bunch of like fraternity brothers. You know, like living together every day for three and a half months on the field. I will tell you, though, that also comes from the top down, right? Because if, if that's making you unhappy, yeah. it goes through the ranks. That's absolutely right. The kids are looking at you guys. It, it, it's a challenge. You know, I, I ask my guys every year to do this end of the year kind of reflection. And almost to a man, one of the questions is, what do you think the strengths of our program are? And what do you think the weaknesses of our program are? And almost to a man, they, they annually put the strength of our program is the fact that we're all friends. We, 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 we laugh a lot. We, we work well together. The weakness of our program is that we're all friends. You know, and it's, there's a lot of Got to challenge each other it's, at it's times. It's a challenge for me sometimes. Um, would it be critical to to try to be the leader of eleven alpha males? You know, we all are football guys. We all have our own way of thinking things should be done, and to try to bring that group together and 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 put them in a position where they can coach our kids successfully is my biggest job. That's the way I view it. Um, it it's tough though because you know there's times when we'll we'll butt heads. You know, but this is. Emotional sport. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's it, you get on the sidelines and moments are heated, and uh, you know there's looks that are given and comments that are made, and you know we just have to let some time go by and shake it off and remember that we're all in this together and we like each other and you know we're we're, we're here for the right reasons. It's so funny they say that. I mean, I remember my dad getting heated one time and give me that damn headset set something up and you know they were the old school headsets yeah, know, you know and it was somebody else was on one of the I other headsets that shouldn't have been there oh my god he was now that, that being said um 
with the players. Do you guys, you know, some guys are just naturally, natural leaders, like lead by example, or some guys just are good at speaking up. But sometimes there may be somebody you have to encourage to be a leader. You know, hey, this kid's got it. Do you do anything? Do you do anything off the field when you try to develop some leadership? Absolutely. Uh, we talk a lot about leadership. In fact, I share like a slideshow presentation with our kids. It'll, it'll come up here in the offseason about like what's the difference between a, a, a true leader and a fake leader. You know, like all those characteristics of fake leaders, you know, lead with fear and think that they have to be the loudest guy in the room That's and great. all those kind of things. And I'll share that with them. But generally we do postseason exit interviews. We do that with our seniors to kind of get their feedback on their experience with our program as they're as they're leaving our program. But I'll sit down with all of our juniors and sophomores here over the coming months and, you know, after talking to the staff and kind of identifying who we want to rise to those leadership positions, I'll say that very thing to the kids. Like, look, I'm viewing you as one of our vocal leaders next year. Or I'm viewing you as one of our lead-by-example guys. I know you're a reserved kid, you're not a big rah-rah kid, but uh, you're, you're one of our lead-by-example guys. I want you to take ownership of that. Uh, role and usually the kids respond very positively. We vote for captains after our summer camp is over. It's completely kid based. Our coaches have no say in it, and I think our kids do a great job of identifying yes. who our true leaders are. We have three senior captains, one junior captain, and one game day captain that we choose weekly based on uh, past performance. That's it great. Could be a JV kid who made us better in scout that week. It could be a kid who, uh, what an honor. who played, um, you know, was a, had a huge punt that got down on the two-yard line. We're going to reward that kid with our game day captainship. I love that. I, uh, I love that you're finding those leaders, right? It's a kid that shows up early, hardest worker even in the weight room, doing all those right things that, you know, and you see the leadership traits in some of those kids as well. finding ways to reward the hard workers. You may not be the best athlete, but man, you busted your butt this week in practice. Thank you. Or make you captain or whatever it is. Or put you on a special team. 120 pound terror. So glad to see. So glad to hear that the, that you have a part in the schedule. I was wondering that this year when the district seedings came out, right? And um, because the pack has somewhat some fives and some fours in it now. Uh, well, so yes. Um, PJP's a four, Popsgrove's a four. Methacton just dropped this year from a six to a five A. Um, Norristown's got to be going. Norristown's a six. Are they still yeah, six? Yeah. Norristown's big enrollment. Okay. Um, yeah, they're six A. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure Methacton is the only five A in the Liberty Division. OJR is very close, but they're still six A. Yeah, the big kids out there. You know, and. They gave you a game during the regular season, and then things went your way pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> so, I think so. our kids were eager to get that second chance at that game this year uh, after the way the fourth quarter went in the first game. Yeah. You know, we really dominated the first three quarters, and we had kind of a laundry list of calamities happen that yeah. uh, allowed them to inch back in. So they, they were eager to get back on the field against them in districts. So then the point system, how does that, 
So the way district one works is you get points for your opponents based on their classification. So for example, okay. if you pay, play a 6A school and you're a 6A school, you get 140 points. Okay. Um, then in addition to that, you get what are called power points, 10 power points for each of your opponent's wins. So oh, wow. if you play, for example, a 4A school, like PJP is a 4A school, we only got 100 points for playing them because they're 4A, but we got 90 additional points because they were 9 and 0 when we played them. So it's the equivalent of us playing a 5 win, 6 A team. Gotcha. Playing that 9, that nine yeah. win, 4 A team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, right? The points, I saw the rankings and, and you guys got the second seed. That does help, right, though, you playing the Downingtown East or West every year. Is that over or are you still doing uh, uh, I love that game. And then didn't you co mix in Coatesville the one year, too? Uh, we played Coatesville oh, yeah. for two years in a row, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lost the Boy, they had that, that coach and that, that quarterback. Yeah, that quarterback just signed with uh, East Stroudsburg. So, oh, did he? Yeah. Ortega or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Matt Ortega's son, uh, Ricky Ortega, was the quarterback. Didn't he go to yeah. Temple or something? Yeah. Well, no, I knew it was one yeah, of those. Yeah. And uh, their quarterback from this past two years, Harrison Susi. He was good. He's good. He could run. Yeah. yeah. And throw. Four kids down there. Good coaches. Yeah, and that was the semifinals, right? Or did you? Yeah, semi. You the, lost to them last year in the quarters. Quarters. Two of districts, 35-30. And then they went all the way to the semifinals of states, they right? They lost to St. Joe's Prep. Of course. Uh, excuse me. They lost to uh, Garnet Valley in the district championship. Oh, and then Garnet Valley. And then Garnet got beat by Prep, Do you get any more points for playing these teams that recruit? No. No, same for like St. Yeah, Joe's Prep and whoever else. So the, the non-boundary schools uh, will be given a, a classification by District 1 uh, based on their male enrollment, 10 through 12. So they'll look at a, a school like um, the Haverford School and they'll say, okay, you have 400 boys, 10 through 12, we're going to say you're a 5A school. Uh, and that's the, the amount of points that you'll get a lot of okay. playing. Okay. I, I, my opinion, they, they should put those guys in their own little division. You know? it's, yeah. long it's just not. It is all of the states around us have a non-boundary football uh, playoff system and boundary playoff system. And you look at Garnet Valley the last two years that won District 1. I mean, they've been the pride of District 1. Mike Ricky, who just retired, was their head coach down there. I mean, is an absolute legend. A lot of what I try to instill in our program, I've stolen from him. Uh, we have a great relationship. Great honor. Um, he he uh, is very good friends with my uncle. I've known Mike for a long, long time. Um, but they, they win District 1. They're beating teams like Downingtown. They're beating teams like us. They're beating teams like uh, uh, Coatesville. And then they, they lose 48 to 0. They're losing 48 to 0 to St. Joe's Prep at halftime. It's just not a level playing yeah. field. Yeah. It's not. Even Harrisburg, who lost to them, this they're a good team. Great team. Oh, they were a buzzsaw through the whole state tournament. It's, it's, I'm just, like, it's getting to the point where it isn't fair. You know, like, like, I, yeah, and you I'm hate glad, to say I'm that. I'm glad we but played Roman. I'm, I mean, I was thrilled because I like playing the tough yeah. teams, win or lose. But I've never seen a defense run like that ever, live. A high school well, team. I've never Roman, seen it like it. Roman was weak for until, like, yeah. I think they've always just. Until Ricky Creek got in there, yeah. you know what I mean? They, and then they, they're they pulling they the kid in. Yeah. You know, number seven, their defensive yeah. end was from Tennessee. Oh. Kids from Maryland, kids from New Jersey. Yeah, it's it's tough right now, and it's a shame because these kids work their butts off. But if you're if you're like a Garnet Valley this year and you won District One, 
you know, you hold your head, you hold your heads high, right? I mean, any one of these schools, first of all, you make it into this district. Playoffs is pretty good. For the Catholic League, though, remember that's what sometimes they were. They were literally wanted to play like we'll say middle of the road team. Like, mm-hmm. um, in fact, this is my AD telling me the young. They're always young AD, so he's just telling me. We call and they say, "Hey, from Catholic League, like, nope, we ain't playing." And like you said, the weeks are off, so it's a little tough anyway. And he goes, "There's nine of us that don't have that same program." Much stronger and bigger than Lansdale Catholic. Than in, you know, I remember Lansdale Catholic was in the Pac-10 forever and did well. But remember, things change. I'm thinking, see, these guys get they get through the harassment. Again, the only normal school besides the sound prep. That some judge and I don't do that. You know, no. would and I don't know how they do it. just need a one three year program. Once they enjoy the success, they they somehow circumvent the rules. There's always fights. Well, what's happening? We've seen in recent years, Newman Gretti is a great example. Yeah. They'll bring a coach in who is really heavily involved in the, the youth programs in that area, and then they'll just poach kids that they coach as youth players and sort of put together an all-star team. Right. Newman Gretti went from being 0 and 10 Horrible. Year to like 10 and 0 the next year. Which is crazy. Now, Coach Alvey came from Imhotep, yeah. okay. and then he brought some of them kids over. That's and the thing is, too, I've had conversations with him and other people about this. The Philadelphia Catholic League, when I was a young kid, high school and college, was the best Catholic League from top high school league in the country. Yeah. Because it was all, like, dispersed, all the players. Yeah. Now you got, you got St. Joe's, and you got LaSalle, you got Malvern, and MN10. That's it. Yeah, you know. And I mean, I, I think it'd be kind of cool side. to play them in the regular season. Hey, let's see where we stand. But come playoff time, let them go over there so your guys can work hard, have a legitimate shot at the states. I'll be honest. I, I, I would prefer philosophically not to play a non-boundary school. We have done it under my tenure out of necessity because we haven't been able to find a public school that was either open the week that we needed um, or, or was willing to play us. Um, I don't philosophically want to play teams that can't be I think public schools should play public schools that are limited by the kids in their hallways. It's the neighborhood. It's it's what it's about. You grow up with these say, kids. And I will say one thing, because the world's just not perfect. When, and I'm curious if you're just if not integrity thing, it's just your opinion, and maybe it's harder if it actually happens. But a strong program like North Penn, football. Pepper Horsham, 100 years ago, had a basketball program. People are going to find you. Upper Dublin this year. My brother goes there, he said, eh, supposedly this kid who's the running back, and so-and-so, but he, a kid from Tennessee. So it's not like, and that's where you might have to struggle because guess what? People really want to be part of your program. So, again, your kid, even though he got hurt, thinking, oh, maybe he might be starting this year, and here comes Joe Blow from San Antonio, who, you know, Technically lives down the I think that our district has become a destination school district, you know, much the way that CBS was in the late yeah. 1990s, people intentionally moving their families in just to play football. Now, the benefit that Perkin Valley has is we're also a wonderful school academically. So, you know, that's why I think we lose a lot of our kids to non-boundary schools because you can't sell to a TV kid, all right, go to Malvern or go to prep, you're going to get a better, better education. That's not necessarily true. You're going to get a wonderful education at Perkin Valley oh, yeah. in addition to being part of a successful football program at this point. So we're able to kind of retain our kids. But you look at kids at Norristown, 
they're getting coached every year. Their best yeah. kids are getting taken by Wood and taken yep. by LaSalle and schools like this. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really become uh, rampant. Do I think there are kid, people who move their kids into our district to play football for us? I, I think that there are. Or there will be. I, I yeah, there will, um, will be. Yeah, but only again, one. that's within the confines of the rules. We're not actively recruiting kids. I know that for a fact. If a kid's registered in our building, that's when I can talk to them. You know, if you're, you're, you're going to come and move to PB, once you're registered, great, I, I'll talk to you. Um, I do think that the recruiting rules need to be tweaked. Uh, a couple years ago, PIAA changed the transfer rules to pen penalize kids from transferring uh, to, to non-boundary schools that they would not be able to play in the PIAA playoffs. What's happening, though, is it's actually hurting public schools who are trying to get their own kids back. Like, PV kids that have left to go to a non-boundary school aren't happy and now want to come back to PV are being penalized for going back to their home public school and not allowed to play in the playoffs because of these transfer rules. So I think that that needs to be looked at by the state and tweaked a all good stuff um, I don't really have too much more I mean it's been great I, I really do appreciate your time this is uh, I love talking football to begin with I, I love what you guys are doing with the program over there literally I, we got a new fan this year the one, one thing I, I would ask for both of you is if we could have you guys back on periodically to kind of give us updates and here we are at spring ball hey here we are at summer you guys just come back and give hey this is where we're at this is what we're looking forward to guys i'd love to have you guys back and give us updates i'd be happy to i really appreciate the opportunity when uh, donnie reached out to me and and said that we had a chance to be on the podcast i, I was excited any opportunity that i uh, can ever get to talk football and, and just promote our program and, and promote our kids and give them the uh the uh, exposure that I think they deserve. I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it. So thank you very much. Yeah, there was a lot of things I wanted to hit on today. I think we hit on a. a I wasn't allowed to tell a story, so I'll tell a coaching story. It's clean. Do I have to? Do I have to pause it or? No, no. it's a coach. It's not a real story. Did I crack it over here? Just to say what kind of coach you hired, depending how truthful he was at the interview. So long story short, we. I grew He's up not even going to put the brakes on. We him. Came in later. We came from Philadelphia. Immediately, like I was kind of the first bully there, and I got out bullied by my own crowd turned on me. So we had a good friendship after that. You know, you don't want to hear these Stroudsburg stories again. This could be causing arrest. We coached, and we got involved with two different things, and he was eventually hard as well. You do, which you further some of those kids over PV, and. Uh, so my, my kids split. So the other one went to North Penn Squires, which was, a, was really North Penn. And uh, so we eventually, the dream came true. We were coaching against each other. He was also the commissioner of Keystone, so we had more clout. So make a long story short, he purposely, just to F with me, decides, well, you guys got you to get your, your kids back in line to get weight. I said, I'll do whatever, you know, we get back and forth with it. And he was like, well, then you're forfeit. And I said, what's the matter with you? Like, there's about the kids and stuff like that. He goes, I'd turn on my own mother if it gave me an advantage to get him. So I hope you're not pushing that part of that, that for one of your programs. Uh, yeah. uh, That's not one of the pillars of our program. <laughs> I was just wanted to check on I didn't understand. Yeah. Jack's parents are from Ireland, right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? And he's Catholic, right? Stout yeah. Catholic. You. I'm Lutheran, right? So his mom used to refer to us as the public, like, like, like with the scum of the earth. 
So when I would walk into his house, his mother had this, did it, did you know, never been in his house? Yeah, yeah. On Wall Street, they had this little rack as soon as you walk in the door, like you walk in the door here, it's on this wall here. It was freaking holy water. I got a shower every time I walked in the house. Because she literally thought because I went to public school, I was like the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I used to get that too. The public thing. You know, she could tell by the way Don't hang out with the public. I wasn't even Jimmy. It was the public. Yeah, yeah. The public. The public. That's funny. You're so much worse than me. From my perspective, he could seem to have a whole lot more holy yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to this house one time in the back kitchen. You know, all the houses were kind of like small, like where we live. And she's back there. There had to have been 50 pounds of freaky potatoes. Remember that? I walked in there. And <laughs> yeah, he was up in the shower. And I'm like, yo, this is a Freaky potato famine's been over 120 years, you know? <laughs> Always been a treat. No, no crucifix, crucifix in this world could change the way you act. You got a good Don story for us? Before? Yeah, oh, it's a, a good sports funny one. Lame sports. Or even out of control. Oh, man. I'm sorry to put There's you on. so many. I'm trying to think. Saturday mornings, we, we, we laugh a lot. Okay. Yeah. Chris Downey was a kid I played with. Who? Chris Downey. He's from Longcrest. Tough. I don't know him. I don't know. How about Pat McFadden? You know Pat McFadden? Pat, he's from right. Glens. He's in Longcrest. Nah. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, yeah, McPeak and all them guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Shane, Little, Ryder. All right, give us a story, Rob. Yeah. Uh, the breakfast story would be even better because you'd be free, uh, free to say... Well, well, we meet on Saturday morning, okay. 6.30. I just found out they were 6.30. I always thought they were like 7.30. <laughs> like 11. You do? Oh, hi. Welcome. If you're late, if you're behind me, man, as you walk in, I look at the watch. You know what I mean? I don't have one. We got it, brother. All right. Honestly, there's not one I can think of that would be uh, audience appropriate. Yeah, well, that's always uh, sounds more surprise. like us. Donald has a, a, a budding film career. We talk a lot about that. Um, you know, he's just a genuinely great guy. We we, we laugh a lot. He, he's genuinely at the heart of that. So it's awesome. Yeah, we, we have fun. Yeah, a good time. So we'll lose some up for next one. Can you start getting more X-ray. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something. For there's the next tons time. of them. We'll do we'll do that one at, uh, at the Dutch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to keep you on time here, so I yeah. got you at twenty after two. I know you had a busy day, you. but uh, how old's your son? So I have three sons, uh, soon to be fourteen, soon to be twelve, and soon to be seven. My oldest is wrestling right now at the high school. They have an all-day tournament. Oh, cool. So oh, okay. Well, I appreciate you making that sacrifice. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my kids are uh, really important to me, and I try to be as involved in their uh, sports as I can. It's tough in the fall, yeah. um, but I'm looking forward. To, they all play football, so kind of the, the pitch I made to my wife was, I'm not going to really be able to coach them as youth athletes, but I'm hoping that I'll be able. That's awesome. Funny story on this. I'll just uh, so we're watching the greatest game. You know, PV coming back that twenty to three game. PV comes back wins twenty seven twenty. Mark Bowden telling me he's like, yeah, that's uh, coach's kids over there. Your kids are playing football. <laughs> They had like this little fence behind the fence. Your kids are over there with like five other kids. He goes, that's the coach's kid. Yeah. Just playing football, not even watching uh, the game. They always want to play O&D in the backyard. My two older ones are only two years apart, so they're super competitive with each other. It's yeah. fun. Basketball and lacrosse. I remember saying that night to... Uh, Mark, I was like, well, what position does Jake play? He goes, well, he's the freshman quarterback, but. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. He had a good ball. We moved him his senior year 
Yeah, he played. He was like outside linebacker. He was outside linebacker. He ended up. He had a few sacks. He settled in. Yeah, he settled in. He made all that. He did. He did oh, nice did he really? Yeah, that's yeah, good. He was, I'm sorry, you're roughing. No, the bunch of them, right? Like the one. I, the I, yeah, I had Kyle and Jake. Yeah. 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 The older one. I found Jake at outside line. Jake and Nick are wonderful examples of what we talked about earlier. They both played JV as juniors. I don't think initially they wanted to, but they bought in and then they they perfected their craft. And as that's seniors, great. they played a really large role for us. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Like, like I was saying earlier, it's on Mondays. It's not like we're like, okay, you go to tackle, you go to. You know, outside linebacker. It's not like that. They already know their positions. Boom, we're out there warming up like we do with yeah, the varsity team. team. Yeah. And we're dressing 45 kids, so just intimidating. I know yeah. you got to go. Uh, there was a kid I coached in uh, youth baseball, but he was literally the best, one of the best kids I ever coached. You know how you just remember that kid? And um, he was big. He was at you know, you see that football player this week on social media. He was like 12 years old. 12 yeah. Years yeah. <laughs> well, I remember uh, it was fall ball. And so there's, I'm like, oh, is that the assistant coach? I go up, I'm coaching with Dan Gantz. I don't know if you know the family of the Gantz family. Austin Yes. Yeah, we coached uh, Austin. It was offensive tackle, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he played offensive guard and inside linebacker for us. Okay. So his brother, Aiden, so, you know, he's a year older than Luke with football. And he's playing, he, like, Makings of a mustache, and I'm like, and he's six foot one at the time. I go, he's 12 years old. (laughs) So, but there's a kid that was unbelievable, had 17 home runs at Lower Park that year. He broke like the Lower Park record. It was amazing. I tried to recruit uh, every year. Yeah, he would have been an amazing tight end for us. Amazing. The kid was such an athlete, and I'm like, how did how did that kid walk the hallways and not, you know, even with his brother playing football? But he was he was dialed in on basketball. He was. He loved basketball, and I respect that. But uh, his older brother Austin played for us when we lost to uh, North Penn 2013 district semis. We were the uh, 15 seed. Upset Westchester Rusty first game. Who was uh, the two seed? Um, and then we upset Central Bucks West up there. Uh, that's the year we had Rashawn Stewart as a quarterback oh, yeah. next to Josh Adams, probably the second best player in District One that year. But Austin broke his leg in the Pac Championship game mm. against Pottsgrove, and I think that kind of like turned Aiden off to football in general. And huh. I, I was it was a nasty break. break. Yeah, was oh, was it really? Oh. So I was never able to convince him to, to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Nice kid. It's amazing how football coaches can just look at a, a, a person, look at their body type and pick out a position to tight end. You can do it all the time, though. Oh, yeah. You look at somebody like, that's a fullback right there, or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you just size them up right away. Absolutely. Well, Rob, thank you very much. Congratulations again on a great yeah. season and coach of the year as well. So, all right. Thank you. All right, Ryan Shotgun with Norman Jim, episode 133 in the books. Thank you, everybody.